Hello and welcome to Dunktown, the podcast where we learn about basketball one game at a time. I'm Anastasia. And I'm Agata. And today we have an extra special returning guest, host of many podcasts, including We Got This with Mark and Hal, Tights and Fights, and Good Morning Night Vale. It's Hal Lublin. Hi. Hey. Thanks for having me back. Welcome back. Oh, it's our pleasure. The last time you were on, you were the last in-person guest before mm. lockdown. Yeah, what? That's, I, that's I, I right. was. Oh my goodness! You that's were, right. and you were so full of hope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm nervous, but hopeful. And you were, you know, talking about your trip, your upcoming trip to Philly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, here's a fun story about that, which is I was still going to go up to the day before. Wow! Because I thought I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'd just been at a convention where I touched nobody's hand for three days and constantly <laughs> was was sanitizing. But I was like, oh, well, I really want to go to the game. I'm sure I, I'm sure it'll be okay. And then the then the entire season was canceled. <laughs> and yes. and I com- immediately was like, uh, can you can I not uh, come home? two times in the next three weeks to watch a basketball team that's not going to play. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And that was just the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember I as you were leaving, I hugged you and I was like, did I maybe just kill Hal? <laughs> <laughs> this is my ghost. Can you confirm or deny it did her hug kill you? I did pass away on the way to the car. I <laughs> just dropped, but my spirit continued on and was able to drive my car home, which was a miracle. Amazing. That's what we love to hear. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the the podcasting nook has changed so much, but you, yeah, you're one of the last people to ever see it. Yeah. Uh, we'll be doing this from now on. Yeah. When they do a documentary about Dunktown, you know, like yeah. 20 years from now, they'll, they'll interview you and be like, what was it like? <laughs> The 50 for 50. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the podcast documentary series. Yeah. Um, oh, can't wait for that. Have you been back to Philly since? I went back that brief window where where we were fully vaccinated and Delta hadn't hit yet. Mm-hmm. We were like, yeah, Summer we can time. travel. We we visited my wife's family and, and my family in the East Coast and had the Sixers made it to the conference finals, I I would have maybe gone to a game. Oh wow. But I'm kinda glad. I mean I'm I'm devastated that they lost. That was heartbreaking, but I'm glad I didn't get into that giant crowd of people because I probably would have been sweaty palms the whole time. Yeah. 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 Have you been you haven't been to a basketball game? No. No, the last one was was January of twenty twenty. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, we we went a couple times to Clippers games, but now it's like I don't know. Now I'm back to being like I don't I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be near that many people. We went to the one of the Western Conference Finals mm. Clippers games, and that was great. And I'm glad yeah. we went. But yeah, right now especially because everything is like really flaring up with Omicron and everything. So yeah. it's like, yeah. I, I don't think I'm... And the league is, like, canceling games everywhere because yeah. players are out. <laughs> like, because you this were is... about to go to a Bulls game. Yeah, I was in Chicago wow. recently, and I was so excited. I, I just got my booster. I'm like, everything's mm-hmm. great. Went to Chicago, got tickets to a Bulls game. They're, like, pretty good seats. And um, they postponed that game. It was on December 14th. And... Uh, they are not going to give me my money back. Oh, what? I have called them three times being like, what is happening? And they're like, well, we're not sure what's happening yet. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean (laughs) you're not sure? Did you buy it from from NBA? I mean, I bought it from Ticketmaster, but you have Mm. to contact the Bulls. Like, yeah, they, they have to give you your money back. Well, they Damn. said we're we're the game's postponed. It's not canceled. So you'll have tickets to a game. I'm like, I don't fucking live in Chicago. I'm not going <laughs> to fly back. But I think what they want, but they're not going to say it is they want me to just sell the tickets. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. Like, I want my money back. So I'm just going to be a real squeaky wheel about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, f- I guess it depends on the fine print, but I feel like they probably they probably have updated that <laughs> since COVID to be like, if games are canceled because of COVID, then yeah. you're screwed. Right. 
can you sue the Bulls organization for being so good that you wanted to get tickets to see them in the first place? And then they got ravaged by COVID and I'm then you couldn't sue go? Zach Levine personally. Sue, yeah, yeah, sue Zach Levine and name also, uh, you should name uh, Vucevic. He yeah. should also be a defendant. Yeah. And Lonzo Ball. Yeah, honestly, Lonzo is part of the problem because mm-hmm. he's new to the team and he really ramped things up. Mm. At least yeah. he would see them in court, you know? Oh, that's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'd finally get to see yeah, them. <laughs> your honor, can you make them play in front of us? Yeah, can you just like <laughs> dribble a little? Yeah, a 3x3 game against three members of the jury. <laughs> <laughs> well, they would have to do that because that would be part of the evidence, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. To be like, look at how good they are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would Who work. wouldn't want to pay to see them? Exactly. <laughs> um, but I also lost my voice a little bit in Chicago. COVID-free, got tested, just... Too busy partying. I was I yeah. was quite literally <laughs> She was drinking tonight. out of an ice luge nightly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't. Gross. <laughs> uh, you just they, went to to Millennium Park and screamed at that giant bean for an yeah. hour. Yeah, she did the flick bean. the bean. I kept telling her to go flick the bean. <laughs> yeah, like Gata was like, you have to flick it. I was like, fine. <laughs> what? I mean, you got to. Yeah. You're going to Chicago. It's true. Sure. It's true. <laughs> but I did go to, uh, do they, they may, maybe they do this in Philly too. But Chicago has a little German Christmas market called Chris Kindle Mark. Chris Kindle Market. Uh-huh. And it's just like a little, you know, fair kind of thing in Daily Plaza with little booths that look like little German houses. And I did go there and drank a bunch of mold wine, <laughs> ate latkes, uh, ate some raclette cheese sandwiches. It was amazing. But I got really drunk on mold wine. <laughs> mold wine. That sounds so, you know, like you warm up. Oh, it was amazing it was so warming and yeah it was well, perfect what's in mold wine spices? Is, it just, is it just like heated up it's like heated wine with spices in it yeah. mm. like okay. the wine equivalent of cider yeah of, of apple cider like hot apple cider not the, exactly like, i see i love yeah. a good cider yeah have you ever heard of that how uh, there there is a little holiday market on independence hall in Philly, and I'm sure there are other ones like it. I don't think it's specifically like a German one, although we're we're right near Pennsylvania Dutch country. Right. There's got to be one there, but definitely yeah. there's a place where you can go get a bunch of food and drink and and get drunk, which I'm sure many Philadelphians <laughs> are ready to do, <laughs> pandemic or no. Yeah. They're right. just like, oh, is this an opportunity it's to go time. drink? I'm going to go do that. And then they just run down, <laughs> get hammered. Oh, my God. Did you watch Mayor of Easttown? Yes, I did. What did you think that. about the accents and just the representation in general? <laughs> um, <laughs> there, uh, there were a lot of, uh, first of all, everybody's performance was great. The accents mm-hmm. yeah. were, I thought Kate, Kate Winslet got better as it went on. Because mm. I think the, 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 the tendency at the beginning is to overdo the O, mm-hmm. which really just part of, it's just part of the way you speak. You're not calling it out particularly. Yeah. I thought Evan Peters had the best Delco accent of anybody. And it was when he was like, really? I guess they stole his bike. Like he, the way he said it was, <laughs> oh, that's exactly how that's supposed to sound. And he rattled it off like he'd been speaking like that his whole life. Mm-hmm. I mean, but she's British though. You got to give her a little she, extra credit. <laughs> she was great. She was great. She really, she really got there. It just felt like the first time she was like, hey, like really yeah. calling it out. Yeah. I'm doing, but she, she nailed it. And she also, in interviews, said that Wawa was like a magical place. So oh, cute. <laughs> I've never been. Her. I've never been to Wawa. Neither have I. Oh, when you get the opportunity. Should we go right you'll now? You'll understand. Yeah. yeah go, on a tri- go on a trip. <laughs> we'll drive across country to Philly. Mm-hmm. Well, is that the closest wa- Wawa? The, they're all East not. Coast. Oh. Yeah, they're up and down the East Coast. There are a bunch in in Florida now. The Carolinas have started to get them. Anywhere in the tri-state area has them. Like New York, well, New Jersey, Phil- Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Delaware in particular. Mm. I think Maryland might have them. So nothing close to us. Nothing close. No, no you will have to. It's a pilgrimage, but but well worth it. Gabe is putting in. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at it. Oh, putting that. in our zip code right now to find oh, the look at that mac and cheese. Look at the sandwich. And that the, sandwich so looks nice. good. I know oh, when they did it on when they did it on oh. Doughboys. It, 
did sound great. Yeah, it really is. It's you can't oversell how good it is. Wow. They've got holiday drinks, hot drinks. They've really expanded. I mean, you know, they were sort of just a 7-Eleven competitor when I was growing up, but Mm -hmm. now they've become these sort of convenience marts and their sandwich bars. I feel like it really sort of kicked in in like the early to mid 90s have just become sort of the centerpiece is getting a fresh made sandwich. Have you been to Bucky's? I've only seen pictures of Bucky's, but I really want to go. Bucky's is amazing. That's a Texas thing, yeah? Yeah, I'm not sure if they expanded beyond Texas, but it's definitely in Texas. And they're just like, it's like a huge gas station with all kinds of snacks, everything you could ever want. They make their own like little snacks like Bucky's beaver nuggets. I've heard of that. (laughs) The mascot's like a little beaver guy. Um, It's great. I'm a big fan. And yeah, I think they've they've got like, I think they do sandwiches too, but I can't remember now. Because it's like, it's like a whole utopia in there. Amazing. Yeah, but Bucky's holds a place of honor in in the Welcome to Night Vale crew, cast and crew because when they go on the road, that has been a a favorite stop. Oh, oh really? nice! Yeah, it is is revered. Yeah, it's a great it's a great place to stop if you're driving through Texas. Um, also, um, the Kalachis. So I I used to live in Dallas and we would drive to Austin all the time. And there's there's like a little town like halfway through that you stop at and get Kalachis. And they're iconic. What are kolaches? So they're like little pastries and they're they're either savory or sweet. They have all different kinds. You can get them with like cheese. Um, Like the ones that like the ones that are. uh, No, (laughs) keep scrolling (laughs) past the ones I'm trying to get you to click on Um, at the very top. There you go. So the ones that are like number, f- yeah, those ones, yeah, almost okay. like a Danish, yeah, but like but they can be savory. So you, yeah, you can get them with like cheese and pepperoni sausage. Mm. You can get them with cream cheese and like different kinds of jams, fruits. Um, they're so good. That sounds amazing. Oh, I love that. Oh man. Oh yeah, I want they're that in they're check. It's like a little check town. Nice. Huh. And you can just fill up a box with all the ones that look good to you, and then take them on the road and go to Austin. It's great. Big fan. That, if you're driving through Texas, gotta stop. You know, George Harrison has a song called Wah Wah. Um, I wonder if it's about the convenience store. Probably. Yeah, he's probably a big fan, right? I'm sure he was a huge fan. <laughs> the two things he invested in were films and Wah Wah. A lot of people know that. I think he loved the bangers and mashed that they served. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The yeah, British fair. They would make it just for him with bangers and mash, shepherd's pie, <laughs> Yorkshire pudding, huge and wah-wah. Uh, what's this, the sausage? The British. Oh, like, the blood sausage? Yes, there we go. Blood sausage. <laughs> oh. Oh, it looks Yum. like it came it from looks- the negative zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't. All of Gabe, the- do your do your thing. <laughs> what? Do your Beatles thing. <laughs> What's my Beatles thing? Okay. Well, now it's ruined. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, I will add that I do love the mushy peas at Wawa. (laughs) Oh, they're so good. I love the mushy peas at Wawa. (laughs) Uh, The most most appetizing sounding name for an item, a food item. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Have you watched, has anyone else watched Get Back? No. The Beatles documentary? Yes. Uh, how'd you like it, Hal? I loved it. I, the Beatles are my favorite band. So oh. it was like watching them watching them write music. Yeah. Like write iconic songs or John Lennon come up with lyrics that I've been listening to my whole life. Yeah. And like, he's just like, and then we'll say this over here. And then he's like write, having somebody write it down. And George, <laughs> George leaving the group, but like in the most like, no, I'm, I'm not going to be here anymore. So just figure out where all my money's going to go and they can figure it out over at Apple. And then he just walks out. Like, so weird. So weird. Oh, I love it. It was so good. I was like laughing and crying. And like Gabe brought up, like you just see Paul like noodle around for a minute and he comes up with get back. It's like, Mm -hmm. this is so cool. And also it was just like, there was so many just like loving sweet moments. Like, um, they had written two of us and then they had written um, another song. I can't remember. And 
Paul goes, oh, this is this is about us, huh? To John. And John's like, yeah, it's about us um, going our separate ways and coming back together. And I was like, oh, my God, they're so sweet. Because, like, they've known each other since they were little kids, you know? Yeah. Um, it was it was great. So good. Gabe, favorite moment? Um, uh, I just loved all the accents so much. It was like... <laughs> Every couple of seconds, you would hear someone be like, Yeah, baby! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> it was fun when they were on the roof and they were interviewing people on the street and it'd be an old lady and she's like, It woke me up from me nap! <laughs> yeah, it was like every Monty Python character should like, well, I think this is very improper indeed. I'm trying to go to work on schedule. <laughs> I want to come over there and play, right? Like, it's just every different version. Yeah. And little, like, hipster ladies being, yeah, I think it's right good. Yeah. (laughs) They're all, like, mild-mannered. I got to watch this You got to watch it. It's kind of an endurance test because it is three episodes, two hours a piece. Oh, my God. And a lot of it really is just them noodling around on a guitar. Okay, yeah. but maybe, maybe when I've got some, <laughs> maybe I'll make a super cut okay. of the best moments. Thank you. Yeah. But I was yeah. thinking we should put out a documentary of us noodling around the ideas of each episode. Yeah. Do you think the fans would want that? Yeah. Dunktown, get back. <laughs> yeah. Get buckets. Get buckets. <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys can really see how the sausage is made, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> we literally have a team meeting called the Sausage Roll. Oh, yeah, because we used to go, <laughs> we used to do it at the Cat and Fiddle, yeah. which oh, speaking of, uh, you know, yeah. Wait, no, it's still around. Is it? What? Yeah. It is? Yeah. I thought it closed years ago. It re- They reopened in a new location after it closed. <gasps> they moved. Um, but they've got, you know, like Shepherd's Pie, which I think their Shepherd's Pie is pretty good, actually. Um, and all kinds of other British fare. Uh, mushy bang- peas, mushy peas, bangers mushy peas. Mushy, you know all the all the hits that we listed. <laughs> Honestly, their brunch was my favorite. Yeah, they had a good brunch, yeah. and we would meet there and kind of you know hash out everything. And and the reason why we called it the sausage roll is because Gabe would always go, "Should I get the sausage roll?" He was always like <laughs> not sure about getting it, and then he wouldn't get it, and then he finally got it, and it was not. It, he was like, good. "It's fine. It's not not great. <laughs> Too much build up." Yeah, but then from then on, it was always like we need a sausage roll meeting. Yeah, like, let's get one. On the I think books. it's time for a sausage roll. <laughs> so it would be how the sausage and sometimes you know it got sometimes it got tense. Sometimes we were screaming, crying, yeah, uh, kissing. Gabe um, bottled me over the head one time. <laughs> sure. Look, I, I, I'm you know I'm a fellow podcaster. I know how contentious yes. it gets yes. in those meetings. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure you and Mark have really gotten into it. (laughs) We, you know, we got into a fight so bad that we put each other in the hospital, but we had adjoining beds. So that's, that's how we got back together. Were you holding hands? Yeah. Well, we first we were trying to swing at each other, and then we could only hold hands, and then that real that touch just made us realize. And your um, heart monitor started beeping at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And then you guys start noodling around on your guitars. You come up with yeah. get back. Yeah. Our producer Ken showed up and tried to pull the plugs simultaneously. <laughs> was foiled. <laughs> that was one fun thing about the documentary is Mal, who's their like road manager, roadie assistant kind of guy. Yeah. It would just be like, Mal, bring me a tea. You know, just like yelling at him to like yeah. bring stuff. <laughs> Can I have a, a rack of the thinnest pieces of toast on earth? <laughs> <laughs> Every single day. Beans on toast, in it? They yeah. seriously just ate toast like most days. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, dra- and drank tea or beer or whatever. Yeah. Wine. Or wine. <laughs> I feel like Paul was drinking wine a lot. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. So we asked you last time you were on who you would kiss. And you mm. said Matisse and or Embiid. Do you still agree with this answer? Yes. I do. I do still agree. I would also give a big kiss to Tyrese Maxey because Aww. you can't not love him. He's, he's the most lovable. He's just pure joy and he's good at basketball, which makes it easier to like him. Yeah. He's on my fantasy team and it's been a pleasure having him. 
Yeah, he's been great. He's been Cute. great this year. It's, I mean, oh, look, look at this. this is, look at this. Pic- the third one with the his one hair flying up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god! Look at that big <laughs> smile too. The energy. I mean, he's. You know, you. There are a lot of players in the league where you realize they appreciate the fact that they're one of the few mm-hmm. people on earth that get to play professional basketball right. at the highest possible level. Yeah, I and, do love when when pe- the players are like appreciative of their opportunity. Yeah. And seem to enjoy it. Yeah. Absolutely. And this has been such a weird year. I mean, it's been weird ever since the postseason. Oh, yeah. How are you feeling about the season? I was a, a an ardent Ben Simmons supporter mm-hmm. for for the first several years he was on the team. And when I saw him pass up that wide open dunk, I mean, after... And that's the culmination of four straight games of him completely disappearing in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I said, I can't defend him anymore because he he plays the game from a place of fear Mm -hmm. and i hope i was like he needs a sports psychologist and he needs i i hope he does great i think he's a decent human being i think he's a he's an extremely talented player and i don't think that philadelphia is the place where he's going to reach his potential and this is it's already ugly and going to get uglier. Mm-hmm. But Tyrese Maxey's been a bright spot. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if he's going to move before, if Simmons is going to be moved before, was it February 22nd, whatever mm-hmm. the, the the trade deadline is. It's It, it, it all sucks, but I, I don't think that the Sixers are playing it wrong. I oh, think. yeah. Because they're kind of holding out, in all of the trade talk that was happening, it mm-hmm. seemed like they were holding out for better deals and, you know, whatnot. Yeah. And maybe even now just trying to work with him. Is that what's going on? Yeah. I mean, the the, the team was saying their their preference was to have him back on the team. And he said, I'm not coming back. He, the, the teammate, he had teammates who were going to fly out to see him that he said, don't come. Basically, for the idea of I don't, you're you're going to be wasting your time coming mm-hmm, out here mm-hmm. because I'm not changing my mind. Then they started to find him. They took his first whatever eight million dollars of of his of Jeez his pay Louise. this year, put it in an escrow account, and used that to pay off fines for him missing practices. So he showed up for a practice, then got sent home the next day. I remember then, he he had the phone in the pocket practice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the phone. Mm-hmm. The, <laughs> that's controversial. It could have just been his practice jersey. Yeah. That's what they're yeah. saying that it might have been. But also, would we be surprised no. if it was his phone? We we wouldn't be. No. So I I mean I don't know. I I'm glad he is getting help. I don't think he has to disclose his therapy with the team, but I do think it's fair for them to say this is related to your work here. What's your status update? How yeah. like how are you feeling in general? What's going on? And there seems to have been, you know, they're playing this game of chess against one another. And I don't think Rich Paul's doing a particularly great job. No, I don't. He's distracted. He's got a dull. Yeah. You know, to worry about. I don't blame him then. <laughs> She's lovely. <laughs> I think he's maybe doing Ben Simmons a disservice only because his value as a player has gone down. Mm-hmm. People were so excited to take him in the off season. And now I think teams are like, well, we don't even know what condition he's in. He, his added, we don't know where his attitude is. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think he needs, like we were talking about with Tyrese Maxey, he needs to find like the joy in the game again, because like you're saying, he was playing from a place of fear and maybe even frustration and, it's like he needs to find the love of the game again. There was so much pressure on him. Yeah. Yes. He's got a lot of pressure. I think he's been told how great he is his whole life. And he is great. I also wonder if that has slowed his development because he feels like, well, what about all the stuff I can do? Right. And and the greatest players of all time, the really like top three, top five people are people who never stop improving their game and are right. always looking for ways to get better. And nothing is ever good enough. If it's one championship, it has to be two. If it's one MVP, it has to be three. It's that kind of drive. He's never really exhibited that. Yeah. And he has, he's an, he has enough talent to get past it. But I think it, I think it's, be the, I mean, I think the Spurs would be the best possible place for him to go mm. because Greg Popovich, I think if, if anybody could coach him and make him a better player, it's Greg Popovich. That's what he's done 
yeah. his entire career. Like any reclamation project that comes his way, all of a sudden turns into the best version of themselves. I mean, I think DeMar DeRozan is a really good example of that. He mm-hmm. suffered from depression when he got traded from the Raptors, went to the Spurs, Pop took him in, and now he's having a great season. I mean, he was having a great season his last season with the Spurs, too. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think you're right. That's probably a good place for him. But the deal makers have to agree on it. No one asked us, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What we think. Come Um, on. We should be able to weigh in, though. Like, come on. Yeah. (laughs) Simo the Savage. Oh, gosh. Yeah. He can spend a lot of time on Call of Duty now. (laughs) (laughs) This is Call of Duty room, I'm sure. Should should I get a giant uh, neon sign that says the God of the Savage? (laughs) 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 Gabe. It's kind of supportive. It's got to be an A word. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, I was thinking. A god of the average. What? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so rude. A god above average. Oh, okay. Yeah. There we go. There we go. A, a god of the Avenger. Oh, look at you. <sighs> okay. I've never seen those, but. <laughs> a god of the ass man. Okay. I like that. There you go. Even better. With the crown, but the crown is a butt. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now we're talking. <laughs> um all right we gotta get into it we we asked you on as a philly fan to talk about a documentary about alan iverson and this is a series uh we've been doing all month every week for 30 days we're covering a different episode of espn's 30 for 30 it's 30 for 30 for 30 30 for 30 for 30 <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we gotta do this another month in the future just to use that drop again. <laughs> yeah, we should. That's from Get Back, right? That's one of the accents of the people on the street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turkey for turkey for turkey. <laughs> That's Irish yelling up at the roof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we asked uh, you to come on to talk about No Crossover, the trial of Alan Iverson from 2010. It's directed by Steve James, who directed Hoop Dreams, which I love. And I actually have the DVD behind me on this shelf. But to be honest, when we asked you, I did not know anything about this. Really? Oh, really? About the documentary. (laughs) Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I knew about, I had heard about the trial and I'd heard about his, you know, how he almost didn't make it out of high school basketball. But I didn't realize how messed up this situation was. Mm, yeah. And, you know, our last week's uh, episode was very sad. There's another sad one. <laughs> yeah. It was. Yeah. It was definitely a, a bummer for sure. Yeah. But I want to ask you first, how? what is your, you know, relationship with Alan Iverson? So my freshman year of college, I went to Syracuse and I had season tickets for football and basketball because I think every freshman student wound up getting them. And Syracuse men's basketball team was really good that year. And when Georgetown came to play, the best player on the court was Allen Iverson. Mm -hmm. And I'd never heard of him before. I didn't know anything about him. And he was so clearly the best player on the court. You knew he was going to be a professional basketball player. He just couldn't be stopped. Then he was drafted by the Sixers, and I, he's one of the one of the athletes in the history of the city that there was an instant connection. He's a very what we would call a from here guy, mm-hmm. where he embodies Philadelphia that working class. Like I may not be the biggest, I may not be. Uh, I'm I'm going to outwork everybody. You can't keep me down. I have my heart on my sleeve all the time. The, the crowd responded to that. Yeah. So he. He was and, and continues to be idolized. When he was traded, he got cheered when he came back. And when this documentary was made, I was looking at it. I was like, oh, it came out in 2010. That was kind of a low point from, yeah. for him. And he has since come back. You know, he's sort of a, 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 sort of a respected elder mm-hmm. in, in Philadelphia sports. And he's constantly at Sixers games. So he's still involved with the team. Nice. Um. He was always a controversial figure just around the league because of who he was, and he changed the culture. He's an important cultural piece, not only in how the game was played, but in how you could express yourself yeah. off the court. Mm-hmm. And and this 
trial in 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 that documentary followed him around his entire time in Philly. Anytime he got in trouble, you could always point back to this thing that was hung over his head right. when he was 17 years old. Yeah. So essentially the you know, giving the synopsis of the whole documentary for anyone who doesn't know, uh, when Alan Iverson was in high school in Hampton, Virginia, he was a star player, took took his both his football and basketball team to state championships and was in a bowling alley one night. A big fight broke out. There's like some grainy footage of it, but really not much to look at. And no real like eyewitnesses other than the people who were like in the fight. And, and, you know, it's a essentially a fight between some white kids and some black kids. And weeks later, four of the black kids involved are arrested. None of the white kids. And this documentary is about that trial and, you know, how it sort of, tore this town of Hampton, Virginia apart along racial lines. But I kind of want to argue with the filmmaker that the town already seemed torn apart (laughs) along racial lines. I think just this exposed a problem that was already there. And, and that was sort of simmering beneath the surface for quite a while. So the the guy who made the documentary, he's from the same town? Yeah. Okay. He grew up in Hampton, Virginia. His dad was this guy, Billy James, who seemed to be like a, you know, pillar of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, a business owner who supported teen and high school sports and was like a huge fan of Allen Iverson, which I, I thought was interesting. Yeah. So the fight got like very intense like there were chairs being thrown and stuff and yeah there's like footage of like the lead detective from the case talking about how like like you there's i mean obviously obviously there's racial undertones to like every single thing that everyone is saying mm-hmm. um but his his whole deal was that like the actual physical damage done to to the white kids was like more then whatever happened to the black kids. So that's why he went after the black kids, which is just like, obviously the whole justice system is set up to not protect specifically black male teenagers. So like they were really just kind of set up in a way that they, it was easy to scapegoat them. And then also Alan Iverson was already a name that people knew. So because he was identified as one of the people there, um, even though, he was claiming that he wasn't there and then he was claiming that he admitted that he was there. Yeah. He said, he said like in trial that he was there, but left like saw a friend, like ushered him out. Yeah. Like he wasn't part, he wasn't part of the physical part of what happened. Um, yeah. So basically it, it blew up out of proportion because he was spotted there and then people like had an easy place to, or easy person to scapegoat. Yeah. Um, And the other uh, guys who were arrested were also on his basketball team. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's a group of basketball stars who are well-known in this town. They're the, you know, ones who got arrested. Yeah. And the, and the claim was that the white kids had, were, were saying the N word. And then that's why like things kind of were escalating into what happened. Physical brawl. Yeah. But yeah, the the footage is very hard to see what's going on. I wrote down that the detective said he was only charging the people who threw chairs at innocent people. And no one in there was, quote unquote, innocent. If you see the footage, it's just like a bunch of people fighting. So I don't really understand how he decided who was innocent and who wasn't. But anyways. You know, it's it's fascinating. I mean, a few things from watching it. One is like nobody seems to know or can come to an agreement, including people who were there 100% on what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How it started, who did what, all of that. Yeah. And the other is clearly like like you were saying, if you 
drive through a town and there are a bunch of rebel flags up, there is that's a powder keg. Yeah. That is a absolute powder keg and there are a lot of problems and something's gonna cause that to to erupt. But also the range of conspiracy theories around like it's the oh, elders yeah. of the community are trying to do this. I don't know how much of that I buy into as much as just there is a societal issue and a framework that's set up that creates disadvantages for people and then gives gives everybody who's in a position of advantage some reason to be suspicious that the people who who are worse off are up to no good. Right. So we now we have a reason to go, well, obviously, you see what part of town they're in. That's a bad part of town. Right. Well, why is it a bad? Nobody... Right. You know, and and this is something we're maybe starting to address a, a little bit, but nobody there is talking about like, why is it why is it like this here? Right. Why is it like this anywhere? And how can we make the community better? It's you, you get driven to action because something shitty like this brawl happens and this 17-year-old kid gets tried as an adult yeah. when nobody was killed. Nobody like there's just no it, it's you know, watch what is it the the 13th or the 14th, the, the, that, oh, that, yeah. uh, that documentary. That, that, yeah. I mean, like this is the way it's been set up right. for a very long time. And the seeds were planted for that way before. So yeah. this is, ju- you just look at it and go, well, yeah, of course, of course, all this is going right. on and in 2010. We're not even talking about it because we weren't talking about it. Yeah. And it, it does feel like I was kind of surprised that it was from 2010 because it feels like it's older, but I mean, that was, you know, obviously these are not, problems that are solved in any way today but like Mm-mm. um at least there's a lot more conversation around it i mean i was kind of i was kind of struck by how like the filmmaker was like listing everyone who wouldn't even talk to him oh yeah that was crazy where there were it, not even just the people involved but the filmmaker's mom was like i told the guy at the grocery store what you were making a, <sighs> a documentary about and he was like don't even talk to me about that alan iverson like Mm-hmm. In 2010, people were still pissed about this incident. And then the people involved, a lot of them didn't want to talk to him either because it was such a, a it was like a, a controversial issue that like, I think a lot of people just wanted to put behind them. Right. And mm-hmm. like, and like, there's no, there's no winning. There's like no you, winning. you rehash it and then, because from what it sounded like, it, it felt like, you know, people felt like they had to take sides and it became a really like black versus white kind of like you're either if you're white, you're you're, you know, trying to get him to go to prison. And if you're black, you're defending him, which right. like and I think a lot of those people, you know, were never going to change their minds, you know, the same way that like racism exists everywhere to this day, especially the older generations. And I think like and then for Alan Iverson and all the kids involved, like that's traumatic because yes. that that alters the course of your entire life, you know. Like putting having the blame put on them, going through a, a racist court system with a racist judge, um, and then having, you know, all the eyes of all the people in his town, but also like this was much bigger than that. Like it was in Sports Illustrated, yeah, Tom like, Brokaw mm-hmm. interviewed him. Right. Like it it turns into this like this major thing that you know impacts the rest of their lives and and for alan iverson like luckily he he had another chance to kind of come back and go to the nba and like but even still like watching him the footage of him like when he was watching that kid who was talking about how his scholarship like he was so thankful for his scholarship like you can tell like he's still hurting and i'm sure to this day still hurting but like it sounds like from what you were saying Hal, that he you know since this documentary came out that like He's done a lot of other great stuff, but it still affects him, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at, at that point in 2010, his career was winding down. He was right. uh, like, he wasn't who he bid. Does he go to Europe? Is he going to stay here and try to play? He had come back to the Sixers and that hadn't really worked out. But ultimately, he he got to a better place. You never want to see somebody. You want every, You always want your heroes to go out on top and retire mm-hmm. on their terms and it doesn't always work out like that but this is something that that obviously had a huge effect on his life and all the people in that town like it's right, right. super privileged to me to sit here and say well it's this institutional problem and i don't know why they're not addressing it well i mean if, if you live there and it affects your community you're going to feel how you feel about it based on based on race based on class and unless you have some piece of evidence that to you is overwhelming 
Right. You're not, you're only going to be dug further into your position. There's mm-hmm. just no way past it. So there are, and, and he's still, you know, they even mentioned at the time, like he's not coming back here and pouring a ton of money into the community. He hasn't given back the way we think that he should. He has, but and, it's like, he hasn't said thank you is what she said. But right. like, why? I mean, I understand that completely because it, mm-hmm. it, while there were certain community members that really supported him, I bet it still feels like the community was against him. I mean, like yeah. ultimately at large. So just to give a little detail about what happened, he and three of his teammates are arrested. One of them, uh, I believe it was um, Smith. He demands a jury trial and it's a hung jury first. And then they can't agree on what the actual charge should be. And ultimately, he wins the case, he gets off, and he goes to college. He was a senior. But the other three guys, well, Iverson got this lawyer from Hampton University that everyone thought, oh, he's a great lawyer. He's going to do a great job. But this guy wasn't a trial lawyer. So he kind of wasn't used to this situation. So he just was fine with um, a judge trial, not a jury trial. So the other three guys got judge trials. This judge clearly was against them from the beginning, the way he talked to them. Yeah. And then Allen Iverson ends up getting 15 years in prison. And they say that uh, could be reduced to five years and 10 months uh, with good behavior. But even if it's 10 months, it would be 15 years of probation. And he's tried in as an adult, even though he's 17. It's a felony charge, so it's permanently, you know, fel- he's a felon for life, which is huge because that means he can't vote. There's a lot of other stuff involved with that. And this is all without pretty much any evidence except for a couple witnesses, one girl saying that he came up to her. She said, why does it have to be racial? Which I will like... <laughs> lies you did not say that in the middle of a brawl (laughs) and he came up to her and on purpose hit her in the head with a chair and that's what he was convicted on was pretty much nothing so then he goes to prison um he's in there i'm i'm not sure how long he was in there but eventually a group of um citizens from his town encouraged the governor who was the first black governor in the in the country maybe uh but in in virginia he was about to leave office and they said since you're about to leave office could you please um pardon these boys so he he i guess it was a conditional pardon which means they still had the record or something like that but they could get out of prison and then years later, the charge was actually overturned for insufficient evidence. Yeah. And I mean, obviously an opportunity that a lot of people in his position wouldn't get. And they right. they even mentioned it like it, it most likely would not have become what it was if he wasn't Allen Iverson, but also mm-hmm. like he wouldn't have had the opportunity to get pardoned by the governor um, because a lot of young black men end up in the same position as him and then have no, no opportunities to, to get out. They're just in prison for their, for their whole sentence. Uh, but yeah. I did love the, the woman who helped him when he got out. Oh my God. It was the sweetest thing. She was like, she was a white lady who like, I wrote down her name, tutored him to try to get him to graduate. Cause he hadn't, he hadn't officially graduated from high school. Well, they, once he got out of prison, his high school said, we don't want you back. Don't come back here. Yeah, and she was so upset about that. Her name is Sue Lambiot. And so she said, come to my, you know, come to my office every day and I'll tutor you and get, we'll get you your high school diploma. And they did. It was so, it was so cute. I love that footage of them. Yeah. It, and him talking about her years later saying, if it hadn't been for her, like, I don't know where I, where I would be. Which was really sweet. Yeah. And then because of that, he could, you know, go on to play Georgetown, Georgetown, NBA, everything, everything, you know, there was a lot of 
like a lot of the comments, especially there were these two guys who were, I guess, uh, announcers for the high school games. A lot of their comments and a lot of the comments from the white people uh, interviewed felt like pretty common discourse that's still used today. Like those two announcer dudes said, you know, when he was growing up, he would miss class and he would miss practice and the coaches were so lenient on him and like they yeah. they made him this arrogant blah, 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 blah. And then it goes to the coach and the coach is like, he had a pretty absent mom. Sometimes he had to stay home and like take care of his younger siblings. Like it's that kind of stuff where you're like, why can't they be understanding of someone's condition instead of immediately being like, he got preferential treatment mm-hmm. for this. Yeah, you could you could feel some resentment from a lot of those interviews. Yes. Or even the interviewer's mom talking about how she was like, he needs to be punished for what he's done. It's like, and then he was like, well, my dad didn't think that, right? And she was like, yeah, your dad was like a really forgiving person. It's like, your dad seems reasonable yeah. and your mom seems like <laughs> a racist asshole. Sorry. <laughs> but it, it goes back to that, right? Like, this is my opinion and it's going to be hard to back me right. off. Yeah. yeah. And she's like a hundred years old. Those announcers, especially the one who was a retired detective. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, they know what their narrative is and any anything they can grab onto that supports it is what they're going to point to rather than the things that Right. They don't want to look any deeper as to why. They just want to say, oh, he took all this time off of school. Obviously, he's a baby and blah, 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 blah. My favorite, there was that one guy who I think was the photographer who looked like he was in shock the whole time he was being interviewed (laughs) because his eyes were real wide. And I kept waiting for him to like relax, (laughs) like to come to the end. Like he would come, he would be like, and here's the thing. And I took all the pictures and then uh, I was happy when he got out. And then his eyes would stay like that. And I would just be waiting for him to go. (laughs) Anyway, this feels great. I'm going to go take a nap. But he was just in constant like shock. (laughs) Yeah, and like all the like journalists too. Oh my god, talking about like that mm-hmm. that one guy. I, I think I his know. name is Jim Pearson or something. Like Shockman. Shockman. <laughs> I was like, I was just like, every time he spoke, I was like, dude, shut the fuck yeah. up! <laughs> what an asshole! And then like at one point, he was like, he he said that um he was at some meeting, and then everyone turned on him, and then he was like, so the he, enemy. He was the. They introduced him. Jim Spencer, that's his name. Okay. They introduced him in the beginning as the correspondent for the local paper who dealt mainly with racial issues. But he's a white guy. And he talked about himself as being like a real like advocate for the community and fighting for the community. But then every single thing he said was like the typical shitty discourse racial microaggressions yeah and so he everything he wrote in the paper and he was like i was trying to be very fair and balanced and it's just like two white guys talking about yeah um (laughs) and everything he said was like iverson should get more time Mm -hmm. he deserves this like yes he should have been tried as an adult he should have gotten worse punishment or what he got off easy or whatever And then he goes to this black church where they're having a meeting and he's standing on the sidelines, I guess, reporting on it. He also, I want to point out, mentioned that Iverson was like privileged and that people were being too sensitive. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Then he goes to this meeting. The pastor calls him out and says, "Uh, Jim Spencer's over here and he's going to write the same old shit tomorrow. And like, they, they all start like, clapping at the pastor and like pointing at him and being like, yeah, get this guy out of here. And he said, I was really hurt by that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, go fuck yeah. yourself. Yeah. He's like, from that point on, like I was like, you know, the enemy or some, something yeah. like that. It's like, because you, you are, you're, you are, what a victim. you are yeah. crafting the narrative for how the country is looking at the situation. And you're, yeah, you're the fucking victim here. And they, they, a lot of the black activists were talking about how he was stoking the fire. He was mm-hmm. making a lot of times people choose sides. And the newspaper was like so invested in the sensationalism of this trial because it was selling papers. And so they were like, you can't claim to be a part of my our community and then like 
use this against us Mm -hmm. just to sell papers. Right. I mean, that's like all news, I think, like, (laughs) you know, uh, but um, the part where they were talking about the conspiracy theories, like that just kind of reminded me of like QAnon and like anti-vaxxers. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, God, this has just always been around. But it's even less believable back then because like, like just the idea that this brawl was orchestrated by anyone for yeah. any reason of like none of, none of them made any sense right no. like no. it's it, it was it, like the it, other it, high school or like the university was like oh well we'll make him come to our university if he goes to jail because he'll have no right. other options or whatever right and it's all like y- you can kind of follow the thread of like how people are getting there but it's like the most obvious answer is clearly the real thing which is that these kids were like talking shit and it escalated and like that's mm-hmm. it there is no over there is no like goal here of like especially for something that would be like eight steps down the road like they get arrested he goes to jail and then and then he can go to this college instead or he can play on this team it's yeah. like no of course not like nobody knows what the fuck's gonna happen right nobody can predict to like how much that's going to blow up and what's going to happen to them. But I thought the filmmaker dealt with that in a good way where he was like, the reason why people are searching for these conspiracy theories is because this is a situation that really doesn't make logical sense. Right. Like people are calling Alan Iverson a horrible monster who did this heinous crime. And it's like, nope, these are teens fighting. This happens all the time. This is not something that's like, an evil crime. It's it's right. it's a pretty common thing for teens to break out into a fight. Yeah. I loved when his producer asked him, did you ever wish you were black? Oh, yeah. And his immediate thing was like, I loved Bill Russell. <laughs> I wished I could play like them. And then he's like, do you ever wish you were white? And the producer's like, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> and But that's all like, there's your, that's like, you could go for, 20 minutes on yes. that. Mm-hmm. You could have a whole 20 minute thing yeah. about what that means and what it means for the town with a guy who's coming back to, to document it, who was, who was born and raised there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in 2010, nobody was having, you know, no, no white people were having that conversation. Yes. Yes, exactly. Or yeah. very few were. And I think that's, I mean, that's probably why, because the, the filmmaker was a white guy. I think it's probably why he got so many no's from a lot of people because they're probably like, yeah. we don't know how you're going to portray this and we don't want to be part of it in case you're like, you know, going to be twisting it. And I don't feel like, I mean, I don't feel like it was super biased in, in either direction, like for or against him, which I think is good, but I can understand why his old like teammates and stuff would have, you know, hesitation about participating. Well, one of the activists who were trying to help get Alan Iverson out of jail, her name was Joyce B. Hobson. She was a Hampton High School teacher and um, and just I think she's done a lot of activism in general. She said she was really reluctant to talk to him and and finally broke down and said yes. But she, he was like, well, why were you reluctant? And she said, because I think African-Americans should tell their stories. Well, they, I think now is a, a common thing that is taught in like a journalism school or like when I, I went to grad school for documentary film, essentially. And that's taught a lot. That was taught a lot where it's like, you should really tell your own story. Don't try and tell another person's story who's so far away from you. So I thought it was he was telling his own story because a lot of it was about him and growing up in Hampton. But she said it kind of plainly. Like, yeah. I think we should be telling this story, mm-hmm. not not you, a privileged white guy. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, I yeah, I would like to see another perspective. Film. Yeah, yeah, like another mm-hmm. film from like somebody who is black and maybe lived there as well or, you know, had some kind of connection to it. Like, I think that i think it would be a a very different film even though i feel like he did try to keep it like pretty balanced well i think the the interesting thing about this honestly was the white people felt very free to say their thoughts Mm -hmm. and 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 they're not good thoughts well that's yeah and it it does feel (laughs) like the equivalent of like locker room talk like i'm talking with my 
this white guy so I know I can like say these things in a way that it's not like, you know, overtly racist, but the undertones are there the whole time. So then and then you, you put that in a documentary where you're like describing what happened and you have interviews with black people who are around like it makes them look so much worse yeah which like i mean i don't know if that i mean that's just how they made themselves look so exactly fuck them but (laughs) but like yeah it was yeah yeah i mean ultimately i would say watch this documentary because it was very interesting and i learned a lot of information that i didn't otherwise know but i do want more i want yeah it feels like it felt unfinished like they're and I, I really was sad that he was that he wasn't in it at all, which I understand that you know he probably mm-hmm. doesn't want to be rehashing it. But yeah, I mean, I, I knew like kind of the basics of what happened, but I had previously like googled it to try to understand more, and it was hard. Like I was reading articles, and it was kind of hard to like parse, you know, what had happened in this in this brawl and like i mean it's still obviously none of us really know the the details of like Mm -hmm. how it started and what happened but i felt like i have a i feel like i kind of get i get it more and like all the situations around it and like um and then i i actually um so he was still in the league when this came out but he was like not playing is that correct he went to the grizzlies didn't want to play there. And so he just wasn't playing for them. Got traded back to the Sixers. Is that right, Hal? Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah. But then yeah, he came back. But then essentially retired. Right. But like, yeah. So yeah. he he had retired probably right before this came out. Right. But so so then in so then 2011, that all-star game, I bought tickets to go. Uh, it was happening in Dallas. And there was rumors going around that um, he was going to play, which was a big reason why I bought tickets because my ex was a huge Allen Iverson fan. My ex was the person who like got me into watching basketball, specifically Mavericks, but he loved Allen Iverson. So I was like, the all-star game is going to be in Dallas and Allen Iverson might be there. He didn't end up showing. I think he was done, but like it was still in that, it was still in that zone of like, he might show up. I don't know. Maybe. I wonder if <laughs> in that 2010-2011 season, if a bunch of people still voted for him. Y- yeah, he got a bunch of votes. That yeah. was it. Like he he had a ton of votes, and and there was like a big question mark of like, will he? Play? Will he? Won't he? Um, and he did not. But <laughs> <laughs> it was still fun. Yeah, we went to Cowboy Stadium. That's where they had the. <laughs> all-star game were you so yeah. high up yes <laughs> you were sitting on top of that giant screen <laughs> yeah. the center of the field. yeah exactly <laughs> it was good though iverson's such an interesting guy because he achieved so much in his career and i think the number one thing people think of when they think of him is his practice oh yeah speech. oh my god yes like that's the number one thing you don't immediately go to he like put his body on the line every single night. It's, I feel like he gets associated with more negative things than positive things right off the bat. You either go, he was too selfish. Couldn't win because he had to take all the shots or he refused to practice. Um, he was a pro he was a problem. Like it's, I can't imagine what his life has been like. And this has been following him around since he was 17 years old, really. And probably before that, you know, they don't really talk about the undercurrent of what it meant Right to be a popular black athlete in Hampton, Virginia, mm-hmm. in in the early '90s. So it just that has followed him around. I think he's a misunderstood person because it's so easy to just pick pick the thing you either like or or dislike the most about him and make that who he is. Well, and that like thug um, label on him mm-hmm. was placed on him from the get go. I mean. Yeah, I I don't think he was able to shake that. And he did go to prison again, you know, mm-hmm. later on. And I think, you know, that's something that the league at the time like didn't they create a a dress code because of him? Mm-hmm. Or like he was part of the reason why the league created yeah. the dress code? Yeah. 
it's like these things, I think just, yeah, followed him around for the rest of his life. Um, and now he's in a TikTok commercial. <laughs> the you- ultimate redemption story. <laughs> he's in the commercial. It's a, is, it a, is it the one uh, with the guy who like simplifies things and then does the yes, hands out? this guy. <laughs> like- no, our listeners can't see this, but... Just, they know. We'll put a link in the show notes to the commercial. <laughs> um, he's with Ty Lu. Um, I haven't seen it. It's great. I love. I love seeing him whenever he's out and about doing things. And I hope. I don't. I. It would be great to see a whole Alan Iverson documentary about his whole life till now. You know. Yeah. Like, let's get a like, uh, like a Michael Jordan style. Yeah. <laughs> documentary series going <laughs> i would love to see that where's his last dance yeah, yeah exactly well, um, he's, you know no matter what he goes through that he'll never have to buy a meal in the city of philadelphia because he oh. is remains beloved there even though he never won it he was the last one to take the sixers to the finals and he embodies he really does embody the city in a way that that nobody has until Embiid came along Embiid's a very similar like some people just get the city and they connect with them on a mm-hmm. special level. And he is, uh, Iverson is one of those guys, maybe, maybe the most from here guy from the city where Wilt Chamberlain was born and played. Oh, that's awesome. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's move on to our mail basket. You got mail. Today we have a package. Ooh. Um, so we got a a package from two cuties who are married to each other. Beef wow. Watson and Pickle in Space, uh, in our Discord. <laughs> Those are their legal names. <laughs> we call them Beef and Pickle. Yeah. Um and they probably call each other that. Yeah. I assume. Yeah. Um, but they sent us some really amazing snacks from Snack Hawaii, Hawaiian Hurricane Microwave Popcorn, mm. Mui Mango, like dried mango, but it has this like powder on it called Lihingui. Oh, yum. Lihingui gummies. Um, hold on, I'm going to grab them. I forgot to pick. Bring them over. Yeah, why are you hoarding all this stuff? I want to eat some. <laughs> she sent some oh, to Gabe's, me too. Gabe's got some. Yeah. Nice. Wow. I, I sent some to Gabe because I didn't want to keep it all for myself. Um, Ooh, mochi crunch and nori popcorn. So if you haven't had Hawaiian hurricane popcorn, it's so good. Essentially what it is is it has like nori or like a type. It has like some furikake like spice se- seasoning on it. And then it has little tiny um, crunchy crackers in it. Ooh, sour watermelon and strawberry belts. These all look delicious. Mm. So uh, thank you, Beef and Pickle, for sending that to us. We <laughs> love it. Gabe, have you tried it? Any of it? I haven't. So these gummy bears, they've got something on them? What's the story? <laughs> <laughs> I'm they a little do? scared of them. <laughs> Are you saying you're going to try one now on yeah, the air? Yeah, can you try one on... I'm opening the belt. Really? Okay, I will. Because, yeah, they have a powder on them, and I can't even express what it is, because it's not sour. It's like... It mm. says it's preserved plum. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Don't wipe any off. Just go R- Don't go rinse it with your water. We're trying don't, the strawberry yeah. belts. They're, don't dunk really, it. I wish I could give you somehow. Uh, it's so I good. I wish I could eat them. Oh, my God. It's so good. What do I'm going to eat this Gabe? paper towel I have on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. I've got a dry mouth now. <laughs> You have a Lihingui paper towel. You tried mm-hmm. the gummy bear, Gabe? Yeah. Yeah, I only tasted gummy bear. I did. Maybe oh. I got to suck on one first. <laughs> but yeah, Wait, it was do, good. I love a gummy bear. They all have the same thing on it? Yeah. Oh. Did you chew it or did you swallow it? I didn't even see you. I like. <laughs> I chewed I, it. Maybe I like four of them at once? I can't differentiate what the, what the powder is either because it just tastes like gummy to me. It's like, it's like kind of sour, but it's like an um, umami-ish. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. I don't have a, a educated palate. Also. A little salty, maybe? Yeah. I like it. I'm yeah, into it's, it. It's really good. <laughs> I left the dried mango at Molly's house. Mm, uh, so she got, gave it to me. Okay, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> 
anyways, thank you, Beef and Pickle. Yummy. This is, this is awesome. Yes, thank you so much. And we'll have to have a popcorn party. Ooh. Popcorn party. <laughs> have you ever been to Hawaii, Hal? I have. What was the best thing you ate there? <sighs> what was the best thing that I ate in Hawaii? Oh, that's a really good question. I, you know, I love a luau. I'm such a tourist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, like, I will pile a plate with Kahlua pork and, and rice and just eat nice. that. Yum. And that is how I will pass away. And I'll be so happy. <laughs> it wasn't the hug that did me in. It was the Kahlua pork and rice. That sounds amazing. I foundered. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. I, yeah, I want to go to a luau. Um, if you want to send us something... You can email us at hiadunk.town or you can leave a message on our cutie hotline 903-420-DUNK or um, you can send us snacks to our mailbox address, which is 1920 Hillhurst Avenue, number 105, Los Angeles, California, 90027. And please don't poison them before you send them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just ate some. (laughs) I think last time, um, it was funny, the last time you were here, how we were, Everyone should go back and listen to that episode because it is insanely funny. Uh, but we were joking a lot about COVID. <laughs> oh, so funny. We're like, this will be over in a week. LOL. <laughs> and um, one of our jokes was like, don't send us COVID in the mail. <laughs> we were so stupid back then. Mm, well, now you can try to send it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it won't work, but you could try. Yeah, it's a COVID mail-off sponsored by <laughs> Dumptown. Put your COVID in a box and shove it in into yeah. the post and see. Win some see gummy if it gets bears. There. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hal, thank you so much for being here. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Oh, you can just follow me online at Hal Lublin anywhere on social. I've got stuff coming up in the new year that hopefully I'll be able to promote soon, and then all my podcasts. I, I sure hope you give them a listen. They're fun. You and thank so you for many. having me on. Thanks oh, for coming back. It was our pleasure. You're yeah, we a needed a guest. We needed a Philly expert for this episode. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it was the perfect fit. I'm here um, for you. All right. Well, thank you again. And thanks to all of our cutie listeners for coming on this journey with us. As always, we love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. For more Dunktown content, check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash dunktown. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dunktown Podcast. I'm on Twitter at echo underscore mint and on Instagram at Agata Monica. Anastasia is on both at Anastasia Vigo. Check out our website, dunk.town. If you like the show, please write us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen. We always really appreciate those. We have t-shirts, stickers, hoodies, and more available for sale at dunk.town slash store. Thank you to Andrea Tomingas for the Dunktown design. And thank you to Andrew Bear for our original music for the show. Sources and references from this episode can be found in the episode description.